our daughter was born in 2008 and that was obviously like market was going down she was born she had a lot of medical issues that was more scary for us than when we started in the business because now we had two kids medical bills all of our income was wrapped up in real estate and terminations were coming and in just as quickly as the bills people were terminating contracts yeah so we scary i mean that was a scary time for us but profit share and passive income paid our bills like we never lost a property we kept our beach house we kept our mm-hmm. personal house mm-hmm. we didn't have to short sell something and most realtors were i mean and, you we know, certainly considered it i mean as but the profit share really Passive income just kept us floating by. Thank God for that. What is going on, Grid family? Today, I've got Tom and Joanne Curtin from Atlanta, Georgia, with us to talk to us a little bit about their journey, their story as real estate entrepreneurs. Guys, thanks so much for joining Grid Investor Podcast with me today. I appreciate you guys spending your day on, what do we call this? Is this Columbus Day? Is this Indigenous People's Day? Indigenous People's Day, yeah. Yeah. According to (laughs) a We could just say it's Monday, right? (laughs) <laughs> How about thanks, guys? Well, I appreciate you joining me today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. I always like to just go back in time and learn a little bit about your story. How long have you guys been in real estate now? When did you guys start? It's 20 years this year. Yeah, so, this yeah. year is 20 years. I was in teaching. Tom and I, first off, we met in college. I got into teaching, taught first grade five years, have a master's degree early childhood ed and the university of georgia oh yeah oh yeah by the way we have to do the plug our ncc <laughs> you know it's not like who are you for around here it's no it's not where are you from it's who are you for so yeah i taught school for five years and then i got to reading the rich dad poor dad book i think from the oprah one of the oprah 1993 oprah shows or something and read that book and I was like, I have got to get out of teaching. Like I'm not making any money. Mm-hmm. So that really kind of lit a fire under me. We were on the wedding circuit. I was going to wedding after wedding and I'd be like, Tom, like everybody's telling me to get into real estate. He's like, what have I been telling you all this time? Like I've been telling you the same stuff. You don't hear it from your husband. You gotta yeah. hear it from your friends. So yeah, I remember telling my principal at the school one day, I said, you know, I want to come and talk to you. I've decided to get into real estate. I was so nervous. And he was like, oh my God, that's great. Like, you're going to be awesome. You're going to be rolling in here with a Alexis and just wishing us well. And I'm like, whatever, like in my dreams. But I appreciate the encouragement. He was like, amazing. And yeah, so then I I got my real estate license and Tom was like, we got this. I'm like, don't we have to have like all these reserves? And he was like, we got it. Just, you know, let's do it. And so I did it first. Then Tom kind of jumped over the second year. I got in, thank God, with a coach Mm -hmm. to just, you know, show me the path because I didn't know anything. Yeah, that's kind of a funny story. Joanne loves to remind me of this because she came to me and said, I'm going to hire this coach, $500 a month. <laughs> Hadn't had a closing yet. And I'm like, what? 
What now? Five hundred dollars a month. Like our and car was three hundred a, a month. We hadn't, we hadn't really had a closing yet, so our car payment was. This was two thousand one, right? Probably two thousand. Yeah. yeah. 2001. Yeah. So, yeah. and I was in corporate world and then got laid off from what I was doing there. And that was 9-11. Yeah, literally like a week yeah. later, 9-11 happened. And that wow. was kind of what kind of set that in motion because I wouldn't have, I mean, as much as I wanted to, I would, that would not have suited my personality. It has been like, I'm quitting and I'm going to come join <laughs> you. I'm not closing yet. Right? Like, like I would not have done that. Well, so. honestly, and Tom, like when Tom, he was like, so I got to tell you the news, like I'm downsized. And I was like, yes, like go to the bar, celebrate. You would have never quit. Like this guy doesn't quit things, right? Mm-hmm. He's like the loyal one. And I was like, best move ever. Like he would have never left. So they freed him for me. Thank God. Like so, so great. Even when that happened, until 9-11 happened, my intent was to just go back and get another corporate job. Like I was at home, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, put my resume out. But then when 9-11 happened, everything kind of dried up for a minute. And I was like, huh, maybe I'll just help you temporarily. Is really what was going through my mind, but it just snowballed, right? I started kind of getting in behind the scenes and helping Joanne. Well, then I, yeah, so I said, I want this coach, I want this coach $500 a month. Tom said, hell no. (laughs) And I said, oh, hell yes. Oh, hell yes. He did say that. And I said, oh, hell yeah, we are, we are. And that's been our dynamic like the whole time. That's our relationship, Mm -hmm. by the way. And got, got in with a great coach and just did everything he told me. And I think the first full year, you know, closed like 42 deals all wow. listings, not one buyer. I mean, wow! I didn't know what kind of train I was riding on, but he put me on the fast train. No, it was four, mm-hmm. we closed 46. 46. And, I, two, and two were buyers. But okay. you had to basically be standing in front of the house saying, <laughs> I found the house, can you write the offer? Yeah, we, 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 we didn't do that. So anyway, we had a lot to learn, but. Wow, was, amazing direction right off the bat. And what did you do Tom, like in the corporate world, what was your role? Sales and marketing. Yeah. Okay. So when I got laid off, I worked for Direct TV, the satellite company, big satellite okay. company. And Atlanta is a regional office for them. And I was the Southeast kind of marketing guy. Got it. But just so you weren't doing hardcore sales, you were more on the yeah. on the marketing side. Okay. Right. So I'm, I'm going to go back, right? Like it might have been a tad scary or no, not scary at all. I mean, here you are, you are going, both of you are now no income at all so fear let me just say you fear like the big why for people like dig deep find your big why guess what how about not going back to your plan a that's a big why like i did not want to go back to teaching i didn't want to make twelve hundred dollars a month after i mean i just didn't want to make that so i was like whatever i need to do to not fail so i was in it not to fail not to win Okay, my, my coach like did the 135 and 411 and the whole thing. I didn't know what that was back then, but he was like, what's your goal? I'm like, I need a half a closing a month. Like, mm-hmm. I just need a half because that's what it would take to pay my bills. I don't even need one. Just give me a half. And I, if I do, you know, six for the year, I can pay off my expenses. And he was like, well, let's go ahead and round it up to one. And so, you know, it wasn't about winning. It was just about not going back. So I'm a fan of like, don't have a plan B, man, that'll mess it up don't have a plan B. I didn't have one. You know, it's funny because I owned a a tech recruiting, sales recruiting business in 2001. So I started in 98 with my best friend. And that was easy because I I wasn't married at the time. We didn't have kids. That, That was an easy thing. But when we left that 
very secure income after seven years of building that business up. And we went through the whole boom and bust. It was really a fear of not going back, right? I was like, this is, I'm moving this real estate thing forward no matter what. And we burnt that bridge, right? And that was a scary time for us because we had a really big nut now. We had elevated our lifestyle. We had a really big nut to hit every single month. It took us about four years, three to four years to get where I was making it years before, right? But it sounds like you crushed it right out of the gate, right? Like you made well, we had, way more yeah, money. It was, fast, it was fast, but we had the first, the first eight months, we didn't make any money. Okay, so that was it. So I was on a, yeah, I was on a, a track to prospect, 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 build pipeline, build pipeline. And then I, nothing was happening. And I was like, I'm quitting. And he's like, you're not quitting. You're about to have a breakthrough. And of course, then before I knew it, I made more in one month and I had my whole year of teaching. And that's when I was like, this is working. <laughs> and then I took 11 listings in one month. And then I just started this great habit of prospecting and getting listings. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. It's an embarrassing little fail forward story, but I took like 50, I went on 52 listing appointments before I took my first listing. And I used to think that was perseverance. And now I'm thinking, I don't know, like if I had been with Keller Williams way back then, maybe I wouldn't have had to go on 52. <laughs> maybe I would have gone on maybe 32, something like that. That is amazing. That is an amazing story. I that is, I mean, <laughs> It doesn't matter who you were with before. I, I guess what happened was you understood or you learned the idea of activity. You just hadn't learned the skills to secure those listings quite yet. Right. Yeah. Who cares so the company? It, I just the door and that yeah, was it. I just, now that I know what I know, I'm like, wow, if I'd have been really, you know, trained in a different way. That is crazy. I actually have a friend of mine that was similar and he went on, I mean, a god awful amount of listings in the beginning and secured nothing. Then he secured a couple and then he lost them. He didn't even sell them, right? And somehow he got back on the horse and did it all over again. I mean, it's a testament. And then and then now his career is fantastic. So I think the lesson there is, it's all about just failing forward, right? 52 and one, that's gotta be a record, Joanne. I, I don't know if I've... <laughs> I, don't, I don't wanna be on a stage talking about that, but you know, and then when we invested in an office and moved, but I had 30 listings at the time. Did I leave 30 well, listings? 27. 27 we left at the office. And I tried to negotiate a deal with a client, an agent still at that office. Look, if you can help me, but I'm going. And I mean, I went and started from scratch after I'd done all of that just to really move and make a, a business change. So I guess I'm opportunity driven. That was more exciting to me than losing. And how did the relationship between the view, two of you work? So, like I said, I, I just kind of, accidentally fell into it so i saw some obvious holes in like what was happening <laughs> and i was like well i could do that you know it's from a marketing and business background like oh, i could do this and let me just do this for you and so i just started kind of filling in these gaps and then i saw the momentum and the success she was having you know being on the phone and going on appointments so i was like well let me take everything and you just be on the phone and go on appointments and like mm. i'll do the rest of it and that's mm -hmm. basically how it started was you know just me doing everything in the background and including negotiating inspections and like i started doing all that stuff just to keep joanne focused on like bringing in new business yeah in fact i was training with these amazing guys up in canada 
And I'm like, how do y'all do inspections? It's slowing me down. And they're like, we don't do them. Our attorney's doing them. And I'm like, Tom, you're doing them. I delegated inspection negotiations because they didn't do it. So I didn't want to do it. Could you imagine? Like, I just thought that that was possible. So, but I will say, you know, I trained with that coach for skills. Like that was skills training. What I didn't have, what we both lacked was business training. Yeah. So when we jumped companies, we did it so we would be taught how to run a business, not just be salespeople. So when we learned business skills, that's where Tom started to, you know, really be the team and the capacity of what we were able to do just grew so when you guys moved over did you get an opportunity to buy into the office yeah straight away okay that was probably very new for you guys you were now going to own a brokerage or a part of a brokerage office i mean that was for us keller williams was brand new this was end of 2002 when we moved so Mm -hmm. they were still relatively new in atlanta and you know we just saw that opportunity well basically i mean i was talking to a team leader in our area sean rawls in our market and and i was like you know what is this keller williams and and he was like well this is the company this is how it works i'm like this is amazing this is like before we moved and of course we did move but then i was like well i'm not driving all the way down here this is way too far i mean i live way up in roswell that's where we want to be and he was like well there's not an office and i'm like well that sucks, you know? And he was like, it doesn't have to be that way. You, I can introduce you to someone and you could start one. And I was like, what? That sounds like a plan. So how do I do that? And then a dinner happened, introductions. And before we knew it, we were on a plane to Vegas at Family Reunion talking about how to open a market center. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you just have to be curious and want it. And then it will find you, you know, opportunity. So you guys did franchise systems orientation. You went through that whole process. I've sat through that a couple of times. That's where, I mean, early in my career, just to understand what is this business all about? So you started this office from scratch? Yeah, we started the Roswell office. Yeah, we moved our license in December of 2002. And then like Joanne said, February of 2003 was the meeting. And then we were basically came home and started working on yeah. Working so, on getting it going with another, so another couple that we knew from our previous company had just moved over as well. And they were in the same area. We're like, let's start this office, let's get it going. And then it just became like, yeah, who so, else do we want to be in business with? And this was all, I should also mention, like we didn't have kids. So yeah. we were running. You we know, were growing listings and we, we were recruiting agents for yeah, a new office. We it were was running, the best and it was time fine. Ever. We were running seven yeah. days a week, a hundred miles an hour. and just made it happen so but yeah, yeah so we launched that office i think we officially launched in end of 2003 or early 2004 so you know that was kind of the ramp up this is just three years into your real estate career essentially yeah, when you guys right. decided to launch this office so that's wild so what were some of the lessons learned through that process was it easy to launch the office was it hard was there was there a ton of momentum i wouldn't want to do it again i would say um, yeah my i mean when you're running like a racehorse like make the most of it because one day you'll be tired and you mm -hmm. won't be running like that anymore right like we had energy for days and thank god we did all that we did then yeah i mean why you have it exactly why you have the the desire do it lean into that right i mean go all in and that's what we did i think the hindsight on it would be we could have built our team in a different way. Like we definitely failed for, forward That's through true. that and learned like, you know, what we should have hired for sooner, how we should, you know, hiring is really 
a lifelong journey. But I think we made a lot of mistakes with that. And, you know, if we could have done some of that differently, I would have changed that, how we hired. We didn't leverage Joanne fast enough on the li listing side. Administratively, I was carrying too much still, like doing too much. Oh, to yeah. So, and out. we know that, like, we had a high capacity for just chaos and doing it all. I mean, I don't know. My parents didn't really say, you're doing too much. Take a break. Like, it was always like, go, go, go and do yeah. more and, you know, have a second job and whatever. Like, we were buying houses, right? We were buying, mm -hmm. we were buying rental properties. We bought our first right. rental property in 2000. So, like, right when Joanne got her license, or was it before? Yeah, you so that's the whole point of the remember. Rich Dad book. So, we got into real estate to build wealth, right? Like, I didn't get in to just sell a bunch of listings. I mean, sure. we were selling listings so we could buy the properties to replace our income, you know, even if we didn't want to work. Like, it was always just a game to say, how can I replace $1,200 a month as a teacher with a house? Mm -hmm. Well, the first one we bought was, I don't know, how much was that house, our passive income? It was like $40. It yeah, was something it was fun, fun and small. But it was a game, how much can we get to replace the, you know, $1,200 a month? And, and now, I mean, one check or whatever, you know, for a property can just, pay for that so it's just been a ride but it was always the that was always the, the the big why is to build wealth through real estate so we would so the minute this was you know key you know hold that yellow hold book we've got in here it says you know McKissick's you got it you gonna hold it up I got, I got it yeah so the McKissick's as soon as they made 15 20,000 on in commissions they threw it into a house like we were hot potato like we've never had this much money and we don't need it because we're going to spend it so we threw it into a property it's you know we were living on a teacher salary in our little house didn't have you know all the expenses and then we kept throwing all of this money into houses mm. and that thank okay. god like that is what we're so proud of that we did yeah, yeah. how many how, how many, many properties do you guys have right now, have right now? 10. Okay. Yeah, two commercial and the rest are residential. And we're about to close on another one next week. That would make it 11. Okay. Great. Any multis in there or are they all singles? All single family, except like I said, we have a commercial property that's two buildings. And then we have a small medical office. That's our other commercial. Everything else is single family. So interesting because you guys were doing what I call the income flip, right? You take that earned income and you move it into assets that provide you passive income, which is the name of the game, whether you're an agent or you're a wholesaler or you're a rehabber or you're a contractor, it's all earned income. Great, we live off of that, but we really need to convert it over to the other side, to the passive income side, right? So on this journey, I mean, it sounds like 2001 all the way to 2006 possibly was a wild ride. It was good, right? And then how did you guys fare? when the market crapped? We had a couple challenges. So our son was born in 2005, and then we were still pretty wide open, but obviously needed to, that's when we started to leverage more, right? Try to figure that piece out more. He used to think day school was year round. He didn't know there was yeah, summer school. He was in school. He just often. thought year round school happened for all kids all the time. Um, <laughs> and then our daughter was born in 2008, and that was obviously like, market was going down. She was born. She had a lot of medical issues. That was more scary for us than when we started in the business because now we had two kids, medical bills, all of our income was wrapped up in real estate. And terminations were coming and in just as quickly as the bills. 
people were terminating contracts. Yeah, so we, scary. I mean, that was a scary time for us, but. Profit share and passive income paid our bills. Like we never lost a property. We kept our beach house. We kept our personal house. We didn't have to short sell something, and most realtors were. I mean, and, we know, certainly considered it. I mean, as but the profit share really, passive income just kept us floating by. Thank God for that. It wasn't a lot, but on, yeah, it was like it was just a check. to get at that point if we got three hundred dollars in income or something like that was like it oh, all mattered. I mean, yeah, everybody was squeezing. Yeah. cash from everywhere, right? We but, saw, you know, obviously a lot of people were getting out, and at that point. I kind of felt like I was unemployable unless I was going to go get like a really low, you know what I mean? Like I had not done anything but this and I didn't see it lasting as long as it did. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. really it was 2012, I think when we kind of came out of it fully. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, well, we'll just hang on. We can survive for six months. And then that turned into another <laughs> six months. Right. And yeah, it was tough. We helped people rent their yeah. houses. Oh I remember that wasn't like a huge part of our business, but you know, was income and we would help people rent their house, you know, and get 1100 bucks, 1200 bucks as rental commission, right. For helping sure. them rent their house. And I think I did like 20 or 25 of those in 2009, just to have something. It's gotta be a scary time because you have two little ones and you've got yeah. two businesses, right? So really you've got four kids. Right, you've got the team and you've got the brokerage. How did the brokerage do during that time? I mean, that must have been a tough time. Yeah, I mean, there were months, we had a couple kind of break even months, right? Mm -hmm. But the profit was certainly- Yeah, we never had cash calls. Yeah, yeah, fortunately we never had- Never had a cash had call. Had to have a cash yeah. call during that time. But That's we amazing. were strapped mine and we were watching a lot of people get out, right? A ton of people get out of the business or go take other jobs and they just weren't producing. So yeah, it was just scraping by, definitely in survival mode. And how old are your kids now? The son's about turned 16 this weekend and our daughter will be 13 in December. Okay. How do they feel about real estate? I'm just curious. I'll tell you. <laughs> so, you know, when the recession, recession, I'm sorry, when COVID happened, the first thing we did was pull out cash flow, the game, blew the dust off. We used to play this like, Kids were little and we played cash flow with the kids. They're like, what is this? And my son said, hold on a second. Is this it? Like, is this like it? We're like, this is it. This is the secret. And he was like, yay. I mean, he loved it. He would stand up and play. Like he was mental math. He didn't need the app. You can play with the app now. And, you know, we've shared with them like, this, you know, this house is paying for this. Like we're trying to educate them. I mean, so that they won't hate real estate. Like we've heard so many real estate kids, family, you know, kids hate the business. I mean, I think Carver said one time, like, dad, I want to be your CPA. Yeah, he says, I don't want mom's job. I want yeah, I don't want mom's job. I want a dad's job. Whatever he thinks that. And then my daughter would say, who's the boss? Like she's confused. She doesn't know who's the boss. <laughs> She's like, who's the boss? I'm like, I love it. Like, I'm the boss. Tom's like, I'm the boss. I'm like, see, you, it's just great. So they're That's confused, great. super good. But yeah, so Carver, Tom's like, we, the CPA doesn't just work for me. It's like 60 clients. Like, he was like, oh, so I have to like, okay, I can't just work for you. So he's trying to put pieces together. He wants to be in real estate, but not quite sure what. Or he's like, dad, you guys just got to get bigger. The business has got to get so big. Yeah. I know.
what does the future look like for you guys then? Now you've got this brokerage and you've got this agent team and it sounds like you guys have a property management business as well, right? And yeah. assets. And so how are you building this in your mind? What's Disney look like for you guys? Yeah, so we definitely have plans to grow investment property side, continue to grow that to a certain point. I mean, I have that kind of mental goal line to get to with it. And so we're still pretty active on that and obviously closing on a house next week. And then from a real estate team perspective, for us, it's now shifted more towards helping people create what they want, you know? So we've got some leaders within the team that we want to help them like achieve what they want to achieve. Mm -hmm. through so helping them grow up through our business and that's going to require the business to get bigger right for them to yeah. get what they want so that's more what drives it's not for us it's not like oh we're number one or whatever like that doesn't really do it for us anymore but when we but see our agents like they want to buy a property we see, and, yeah, we're, and they're so running number we're like that's awesome so right. So like, we want to help them. Like yeah. we're te te we were big on teaching, as you know, like teaching other mm -hmm. people to invest in real estate. So we're helping them do it. That's cool. You know, like we can see them achieve their goals through us. Then. And my team is probably ready for me to step out of listings because I'm at this point now, everyone I go on, I'm like, I think I'll just make an offer and just buy it. And they're like, well, now we got no listing. So it's like, get me out of the seat so I don't buy everything I see because I'm just telling you, it's opportunity everywhere, everywhere. And everyone, you know, is just, anyway, that's just my thing. Yeah, so My goal is to sell no houses so my team can take over all that. Yeah, your brain is now, is definitely moving towards that investment and team building, right? Like what's cool about team building is that you allow, we're building businesses within your business. It, it is essentially what Gary has done with us and what we now do with our team when you really think about it, right? And so it could get really big if you allow people to build it. And I remember Gary one time said, I didn't think that Keller Williams would get as large as it did, but I created the framework that allowed for it to be as big as it is, right? So that there would be no ceiling or, or any yeah. kind of cap, which is- So when we went to that first FSO, so it was, I still remember it was 500 offices, <laughs> right? That was his goal at the time. So I don't know what we were at, but you know, obviously we're way past 500, but that was the goal. 500 offices, 5,000, was it 5,000 millionaires? Is that what it was? And then there was 50,000. Oh, and 50,000 associates. Eight associates. So it was mm -hmm. 500 offices, 5,000 millionaires, 50,000 <laughs> associates. And we were like, well, we want to be one of those 5,000, right? Like that was our goal. Yeah. And that was it. Obviously he's blown past all of that. Blown past that stuff. Yeah. Crazy. Now he's looking at you guys and saying, "No, it's your turn to do the 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 five five five, right?" Yeah. So, you know, you start thinking about how do you create and replicate the exact same thing. Yeah. Do you remember when we were in the you know the, like part of Gary's like top one hundred? We were in the room, and Gary said, "The problem with you guys is that you're following each other when you should be following me." Uh huh. Do you oh, remember yeah. what he? Do you remember yeah. when he said that? Like yeah. I, meaning. Hey, there is a model already. Don't break the model. It's already there. The foundation is here. All you guys have to do is just replicate it. And you already have a distribution network that's built out. You don't have to build the distribution network. I just remember thinking, man, he's so right, right? And yeah. so what I want to do is what, what's interesting about this conversation, and this is how you guys started off, was that you were interested in building a business, right? And that's what I want 
people to hear whether you're it's an agent business or an investor business the fundamentals are the same with both of those businesses right business is business is business when you really understand it at its core fundamental level so i'm just curious what are some lessons that you've learned along the way that you might want to share to our audience with anybody that's thinking about scaling a real estate team or buying investment properties or just building business in general what are some of the core things that you guys reflect on and say you know these are things that have helped us along the way that I want to make sure I pass on the people that I think would be valuable so anything come on yeah i mean going back to the hiring piece right like investing mm-hmm. in quality right i think that's one of the mistakes at the beginning you're very scared and you're like how who can i get to do this for $10 an hour instead of who can i get that then could be the one to hire everybody else right like we didn't do that we just hired the $10 an hour person to help with whatever instead of hiring my replacement right out of the gate you know that would have been awesome so just going after that talent that can help bring it all together and you not then have 10 people reporting to you right like you could hire one and then they have people reporting to them right Gary talks about that all the time with his first hire you know having been, been that one and then on the properties i mean we always just wish we would have bought more I I mean, instead of like churning through 46 deals if so you know i guess it was good that we had low margin because it was like okay we have 20,000 let's go put it in a house but you got to force yourself to do that and mm-hmm. stop and celebrate and go invest in something cuz make 10,000 on one deal how about get 10,000 every month on that deal over the years like yeah. so instead of being the racehorse up front like take pull back and just really invest invest the commissions that you worked so hard for cuz time the time is so important goes by super fast you know it's interesting because i always say when you earn a dollar in whether you're flipping a house or whether it's commission you have decisions to make with that dollar right you could spend that dollar okay well we know where that leads right it's like you're just going to continue to have to make money for the rest of your life you can invest in yourself which is i think a really good place to invest you can invest in people and systems and you can invest in assets people understand that that dollar you know there's some key places you need to invest that dollar in the beginning and i think Joanne you investing in yourself first this is what you did with a coach right that five yeah. there's wisdom right there man that's one of the biggest regrets my biggest regret was i didn't hire a coach soon enough it took me 5 years before i hired a coach 5 years and i'm all yeah. about coaching and training right but 5 years i'm like i'll figure this thing out i'm so dumb but then i realized you know tom what you're saying is key it's like i also remember spending $30 an hour for a bookkeeper because they were the cheap option, the less expensive option, and there was another option of $60 an hour and literally the person at $30 an hour screwed up on my books and I had to go back and hire the person at $60 an hour to fix everything the person at $30 an hour did. It was a lesson that you need to hire talent right out of the gate because it's actually an insurance policy for you and in the long run it's it's way less expensive and you're going to get a much better ROI. But why is it so hard for us to understand that in the beginning? Right? There's so much fear around that. I think because hiring is I think the most important piece of our business and yet there's so much fear and maybe lack of clarity around that for real estate entrepreneurs. Are there any good sources that you might recommend 
any books you've read, any training people could take to help with hiring, development? Yeah, I mean, career visioning course is awesome through Keller Williams. That's a great class. And I think what I like now with that is just taking it from different teachers because it's all the stuff that's kind of off script where they talk about their particular little nuances in it, you know, maybe a certain question to ask or a certain behavior to look for, you know, that's becomes more and more refined the more I take it. But I mean, I would like to interject and say I've done everything wrong on my team with hiring. I'm on the welcome committee. (laughs) I will hire everyone and, and make a mess. Then I think probably Gary knew my team when he said, you know, the inmates are leading the jail. (laughs) <laughs> or running the jail, whatever, whatever. <laughs> create a mess. So one thing I've learned is like, you know, let the team organically grow, you know, let them interview. I don't need to control it, you know, just let go and let the team members hire team members because they're the, it's their team. Don't need to force anything. I just really need to be on the welcome committee and just welcome them on, you know, onto the team. Don't try to, every time I've forced it, I have made a mess. And, well, and, and one day Tom looked at me, we had just come out of Gary's mastermind and he's like, you're doing it right now. No, it was like, a, it was a, a, it was a, we were doing a KPA review oh, that's together. That's what it was. And like, in my mind, like I was like, this person is, crazy right for lack of a better word like there's no way and joanne comes out of it saying you know like i can tell she's like trying to go to the next step and i'm like eh, you know trying to give her all these signals and finally we end and i'm like that's the last one of these you're doing like i mean you you missed, you missed did you pick up the sign. dry cleaning like we used to have signals anyway, and and now so that was it and then that was it that one day he said you're done i'm yeah. like i'm happy to go yeah, and it was, and that was it. And never again. I was going to say, from a book's perspective, I love Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Patrick, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. like all his books are great, but that one, I think, from culture standpoint and just setting the right kind of, this is how we want to be as a team. There's a book uh, by the guy that wrote Strength Finders. I think it's called Break All the Rules. I want to say that's a good one as far as team building goes. But I, and I like that assessment, Strength Finders as an assessment tool because it gives you your top strengths, right? Which is important if you're trying to evaluate where somebody should be, but it also says if somebody's top strengths is this, this is how you work with that person. And so Joanne and I have kind of that yin and yang strength. They talk about it in the book, but it was achiever and hers is activator. um, activator. It's like you put those two together, you know, like you need the activator to kind of initiate everything and then the achiever to like get it done. So those are two, it's the same as rocket fuel. So that same dynamic, right? Having that. So especially husband and wife, like somebody needs to be one or like somebody needs to sit in those seats if they're going to work together. And that I think is helpful to understand the other person's perspective. Like when we read Rocket Fuel, we were just literally laughing out loud at a lot of this stuff. You know, like this person likes to come in and blow everything up and create a tornado. I'm like, yeah, that's Joanne. Oh, and another, yeah, and another thing I think is a good tip is I learned this from our market center. But if this, if if something feels hard, like I think it was, you know, when you put your hands like this and you cross them over and then you put them under water, it's hard to move. But if you put them back like this and go underwater, it's super easy. So, you know, I've like grown up like just working hard and hard and thinking that's okay. Actually, it's not. Like if this is hard, we shouldn't be doing it this way. It shouldn't be this hard, right? This relationship shouldn't be this hard. It shouldn't, this system shouldn't take this long. When I saw others go easier, I was like, hey, 
this can and should be easier. Like this feels hard. So if ever we're irritated as a couple, we're like, look, this is too hard. It just should be easier, right? And you know, Tom just did something in the database. That was hard. And the team's like, you should not have done that. And he's like, that's his blind spot. Like I'm not able to see hard. Like mm -hmm. I just work hard and I grind for a long time. Yeah. So that's something that I think we forget. Like if this well, is hard, pivot. Because grinding got us so yeah. far, right? Like mm -hmm. grinding, there is, you can become successful grinding, but yeah. it only takes you so far. To get yeah. to the next level, you have to understand how to actually effectively work through people, right? Yeah. You know, I had my mentor in here the other day. He sold this company for like $200 million. And he was my first imprint, imprint on what success looked like, like 4.30 in the morning. I used to get to his house at 4.30. We'd work out till 5.30 at the office by 6.15. And then we'd end at like 8.30 at night. And I mean, he was wildly successful, but it breaks a lot of things around you. It breaks a lot of people around you to, to be like that. And so that's one model. That model works. That model is like a lot of work. The other model is like when I met Gary and Gary here is somebody that is way more successful, but never gave up a family dinner, you know, never sacrificed it, you know, just never sacrificed in the same way. And yet he built something substantially larger, but he had to do it through people, right? And so it's it's interesting. You got to be careful who your profits are. You have to be careful who your profits are the and right then making one. sure that you're, yeah, the right one and, and making sure you're following that model. That's great advice. I'm just curious on the disc, Joanne, where are you on the disc? I'm DI and then my D went down over the last few years. So that part went down and then kind of went up in different little areas of my life. So it's it's up in what I truly am passionate about, but it's softened in others. But yeah, DI for sure. Tom, what about you? DSC. DSC. Interesting. Mm, but all real close to He's the He's the Renaissance man, <clears throat> right. if you will. Like all, like we butt, that's fun. Like when the team sees us, like, heck no, heck yes. I mean, that's funny. <laughs> well, I think, and that's, and that's so, why the kids don't know who the boss is. That's why I like that um, strength finder because you look at like that achiever, like I'm not going to quit, right? Like mm -hmm. that's the, like, I don't have like a super high D that I'm going to be ex in your, you know, like super expressive. expressive. And run and over you. Yeah. Yeah. But I will get it done. Right. If I'm in Tom's calendar and it's all green, I get stressed out. Like that's achiever. I like my calendar where it's just like two things, you know? <laughs> you guys are the best. I love it for sure. That's DSC. That's interesting. So you are like probably steady across the board. Where's your eye at? I'm just curious. 40%, 30%. So, it's like 30%, I think. Yeah. It's funny because I mean, after hours, Tom wants to go hang out with friends. I, I do I, not. Yeah. Like, I've been with friends all day. I'm done. You know what I mean? Like, the dynamic's so different. I know exactly what you mean. My wife is an SC. I'm the DI. And she wants to go I hang out afterwards. Fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. She went, I, I want to go to the woods. I want to go be wow. quiet. I'm like, I just want to go. Yeah. It's, I find that interesting. I'm like, you're the social one between the two of us. I don't yeah. get it. I know it's weird, but it is. Anyhow, you said something. What what drives your passions right now, Joanne? I'm curious. You know, I'm into building wealth through real estate, and it's always been that way. And mm -hmm. when I'm seeing just, you know, what comes easy for me, like, you know, I'm a bird dog, and I like to find opportunity. 
bring it back to the team. I mean, one day I walked in the office and said, somebody buy this property. And my director of ops, she did. I mean, it's the best investment. I should have bought it. I love opportunity and I like to bring it home. And mm -hmm. kind of bird dogging is my thing. I'll make a mess once it's home, but just bringing it in, I like to find opportunity for family and, you know, for our team. I love investments. I like to learn, research, and design a better life. That's kind of always what I've enjoyed, to do, enjoyed doing. Yeah, building your Disney. Tom, what about you? I like numbers, right? So I like to think about how things can be when they're bigger. Right. If that makes sense, like, let's what would this look like if it was 10 times the size? Like, how would that have to look? Right. Like that math, like the gym, my son has the same thing. So like it relaxes him. If I need if I need to relax, like literally when I'm on the massage table, I'm like doing math, I'm, like figuring out like, well, passive income was this. And I'm like doing math in my head. Right? Like it's relaxing to me. I'm like, oh, let me figure this out. Like when. So anyway. It's kind of a weird thing, but is that why you decided to start the property management business? Kind of. I mean, so part of that was like helping other people. I saw that as a roadblock for people that were scared to, to buy their first property. Even though we had a property manager we were working with and I was like, oh, you know, just work with this guy. They wanted it to be us. Like there was just that trust level. And I was like, well, if that's so I don't love the property management business, but it was a way to help other people, right? Like, okay, we need to create this so that you're comfortable to then go out and buy your first investment property and I manage it, then fine, right? And I mean, I'm, I'm self-managing most all of our properties anyway, so it wasn't something that I didn't know how to have, sure. have skill in, right? It was just, we didn't offer it to other people. So it was that and my director of ops is partners in it, so it was opportunity for her have another source of income as well. Who's doing the day-to-day -day management? So the division there is, I mean, I take calls if there's calls, right? Everything's kind of automated now as far as payments and all that, it's pretty dialed in. So we don't have a ton of properties under management. So it's not like we have 200 doors or something like that. So my day-to-day, -day, there's not a whole lot. I would say it's more of a weekly I may have to send out a contractor. I haven't had to deal with late, knock on wood, late collections. I mean, most of our properties are not high end, but you know, they're not ones where you deal with a lot of issues, if that makes sense. So that's good. Yeah, it's at scale. That's a really great business as long as you're not the one in the business, right? But it's a great business to. We really got Go clear during COVID on what, if we had a million dollars, where would we invest it like right now? And we got real clear on that criteria. So, you know, we're not going to drive too far to any property. I mean, we're going to pass it on the way home. We could get a phone call tomorrow, you know, evaluate immediately if that's a property a value or whatever. So we're making it easy. Okay. But I make it hard. Yeah. I make it hard. Like whatever the hardest deal is or the hardest property is, we just sell it in 1031 to something else. Just mm. make it better. Mm -hmm. Always. Oh, that's another thing. I'm a maximizer for my strength finder, so I can make things better and just get lost in that idea for way too long. I love that. There's so many people that want to invest out of state because it's hard. Like Atlanta might be a little bit easier than, let's say, Northern California, right? Or 
you know, Southern California. And so people are often tempted to go out of their state and, and people do well going out of state, but it comes with a certain level of complexity. And if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to get your butt handed to you. And we also, we're like probably an hour from where we live is the max, right? Wow. And, and there's plenty of opportunity within an hour where we live. I mean, we own something in Florida, you know, and that was because we want to be there four months out of the year. But yeah, there's a lot of power in proximity, right? So it sounds like you guys have also figured that out. I was listening to Bigger Pockets episode and somebody was buying in Brooklyn and was like, why would, they were like, why don't you go out of, out of this area? And he was like, I don't really know why I would go out of the area because there's so many, I haven't really maximized this area. So yeah. until I do, like, why would I? So, you know, it's kind of like expansion, like do it well at home first, then you're forced to go outside. So in the areas, I'm just curious, right? If anybody wanted to invest where you guys are, what do the numbers look like right now for a townhouse or a single family house? Like what would you consider a decent rental deal in your market? God, we've kind of bumped our price up just because again, we're our geography has gotten really tight, which mm -hmm. we live in an expensive area. So the one that we're currently under contract to buy, I'll use that as an example. It's 10 minutes from my office and we'll be buying that for 500,000 and it'll probably rent for like 3,500 a month. Great. Yeah. Interest rates are, where are the interest rates right now for on this? This is that one. We're, yeah, we're at three on that okay. one. Okay. Great. What's the PITI all in? What's that look like? Yeah. So principal and interest is right at 2000, a little under 2000 and then taxes and insurance. You add another 300 months, so 2300 all in probably. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like I said, that's a higher, you know, when we were starting out, that wouldn't have been one that we did, you know, 500,000, that, that's high for us. Mm -hmm. The last two that we've done, I mean, the last one was 575, this one's 500. So we're just... That's kind of now the, the, the number up. around yeah. here. You can still find something in this area for like a townhome or something like that for 350. But the numbers aren't as good on a town as you know. People like, want pets. They want town yeah. Homes, so. they, they, we've got great private schools around here, so they want their families yep. and room for pets and four or five bedrooms, that kind of thing. Yeah. So four fifty five hundred has kind of become the new. That's our price. I mean, if you go a little bit further out, so if you went forty minutes from where we are, you could still find stuff for in the high threes. Right around mm -hmm. 400, and those rents would maybe be 2,500 for something like that. Got it. So equivalent, but it's easier for you for it to be closer. Yeah. And probably pulling a better it, tenant. It's closer. It'll appreciate better. It's easier from a management standpoint because of the proximity. And the and, houses and all the, around them are getting renovated. Like it, there, it's growth. Well, and then, it's and, growth area. And so we always offer, like with any of our properties, if somebody's in that lease and they decide they want to buy, so long as they buy with our team, we'll let them out. It feeds the, like we've had one property where I think two or three times somebody's moved out to buy with us. So, you know, I take a little hit as a landlord, but it's it's fine, right? It helps with the team. Interesting. Oh, you just guys you just gave me a great idea for our property management business. So that, that is great. Because I'd be willing to buy one of our clients out of the lease if they're gonna use us yeah. as on the buy side. Numbers work. We have the numbers work. Interesting. Okay. Last question for you guys. I'm curious, 
what are you seeing in your market for iBuyers or even large institutions coming in and buying product? How are you guys competing mm-hmm. with that? So we've had it for a long time here because Atlanta, you know, it's like Phoenix and Atlanta seem to be test markets for all these companies. So Zillow has been buying homes here for four or five years. We've had OfferPad, door, all those for five or six years. We also have large hedge funds that have been buying in Atlanta for, for years. We know a few people that work with them and they're still buying a hundred homes a month. I mean, and that's just one fund, right? That he's working for. So yeah, I so talked to him. Great guy. Yeah, we're seeing a ton of that. It seems like it's kind of leveled out as far as the interest in it. And we created our own iBuyer program as a result of that a couple of years ago. You know, like we'll buy your house too. And we did that to kind of compete against it. But lately, you know, I guess with the market where it's gone to, most people don't really big part of that iBuyer was to take the fear out of, oh, what if my house doesn't sell or remove yeah, that? exactly. So we've got some lenders that we work with where they'll buy the house and let them, the other person move on, you know, and, and buy their next house, right? And, and not have to create a bridge loan and all that. So we've had to do some things, but I don't see it as much. Anyway, I guess where I'm going with that is I feel like it's kind of leveled out as far as the market share that they're going to get. doesn't seem like it's growing. They, uh, they've been paying premium. I mean, some people right? have been calling these iBuyers and then, I mean, I've renamed one of them. I don't know if we can say the name that I renamed them, but, you know, they just reneged right before closing and said, we're not buying it. And we were mm-hmm. like, what? Like, we have already moved on, this poor client. I mean, it just was shady. Mm-hmm. So I don't see a lot of people running to the iBuyers. Mm-hmm. It's just not a good taste in their mouth with some of the stories that's been going around. They've been paying a premium though, mm-hmm. to what we've seen, the ones that they have bought. But on average, it's somewhere between 10 to 11% in fees that they're paying. So I don't know that they're really coming out ahead. Yeah, so, I, doubtful. Well, there is red, I mean, in their books. Yeah, it's well, yeah. interesting. It, it, I think that that's an interesting conversation because you guys, it is mature in your industry. It's not super mature in our market. So I was just curious to see what you've seen. But what I've heard is it's kind of stabilized. They've got maybe a, a section of the market, just like any We Buy Houses large yeah. company would have a section of that market. But in general, people are still looking to maximize their sale. They're going to go to a trusted professional a fiduciary like you guys to help create leverage and get them the best. Yeah, they're weighing as an option, but we're seeing less people just choose to go straight to them without talking to, you know, real estate agent as well. Yeah, they would right? They would get that second well, I think opinion. when it first came out, it's, you know. They were like, someone knocked on my door and we just, just sold it. Yeah, oh, really? You know. It, and now they yeah. kind of know like, well, let me see. Let me weigh my options, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, I appreciate you sharing time. This is what I heard. No, no, I heard that you guys are big wealth builders, right? That should have probably bought more property early on, right in the beginning, which by the way, is the number one regret of every investor that I've ever put like on a stage or on a panel. I'll go through like developers, wholesalers, rehabbers. I'm like, what's the number one regret you have? And they're like, that we didn't keep more of what we bought. Because right, they're in the disposition of selling all those assets. They're like, if we had, we'd be done, right? Because holding assets, like that is the key. That's the key. So I heard you guys say that, and I echo that. And the second thing is really learning the game of hiring, mastering the game of hiring and developing people, whether you're an agent or you're an investor, it is part of that game 
right? That that cash flow game, like owning and building businesses. And so I'm going to encourage everybody that's out there to really like think about those two things, like really process that owning more assets instead of flipping and wholesaling is the key, right? Or selling them as an agent. And how can you hire talent and pay for that talent, right? Pay for that expertise so that you can create freedom of time, right? Dan Sullivan talks about developing freedom of time and freedom of relationships. And a lot of that's generated from hiring great people, right? And by the way, I think that is one of the hardest skills to really learn, to master. But it's it's also very, it's very fulfilling. Like I always say, what's great about buying assets, a great asset, is that that property that you guys are going to buy, right, is never going to talk back to you, is going to work 24-7, seven days a week, right, rain or shine, it's awesome. And some people that are self-employed, maybe that is just always the better option for them because they're not good team builders. But if you really want to learn how to build big teams, you've got to learn this art of hiring and developing and retaining talent. So yeah, guys, I appreciate the time that you guys have spent with me today. I think it's awesome. Let everybody know if they want to find you on Instagram or find your team or anything, we'll make sure we put all everything below, but give me a quick, where do people find you online? Where do you want to drive people to? Curtain, yeah, curtainteam.com and I am the Tom Curtain on Instagram. <laughs> I just got him. <laughs> <laughs> got him. He was the first on Facebook and then got me on. That's what your integrator will do. I was too busy to be on Instagram. I mean, uh, Facebook in 08, you got on. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. I was having babies. That's what I was doing. Anyway, yeah, the Tom Curtain. That's good. Yeah. Okay, Joanne, I, what I want to see is what about your TikTok? Are you on TikTok yet? Tom has a TikTok. I only have one video just to make my kids cringe. No, really. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm also think... current on TikTok. <laughs> I think you guys would be an amazing TikTok couple. I think it'd be awesome <laughs> to watch you guys. <laughs> hey guys, thanks for sharing some time with me today. I appreciate it. Thank you, you so much, Rob. Yeah. All right. My pleasure. Bye. Bye.